everyone. Before we start on this episode, we wanted to let you know that you can watch our Catalog and Cocktails episode live with us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central via Zoom. Check the link in our bio for more information, and we hope you join us in the discussion in real time. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday, and it's time for Catalog and Cocktails, where we've got our honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management. I'm Tim Gasper, Director of Product and Product Nerd at Data.World, and joined by Juan Cicada. Hello, Tim. Happy Wednesday. I'm Juan Cicada. I'm the Principal Scientist here at Data.World, and as always, as I've been listening to the past episodes, and I always say it's a break in the middle of the week, and I always enjoy having that break with you and enjoying a little drink. How's everything going? It's going pretty well. It's going very well. I actually had a little bit of a, I had a hot minute here to actually throw my cocktail together, and so I've got a, 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 a Mai Tai with some orange bitters added to it, so it's extra orangey, um, and uh, that's the way I like it, so I'm going a little tropical today. Fancy, fancy. So I'm drinking one of my classic, I haven't done in a while. It's uh, the, the Carajillo, which is a Mexican Spanish drink. It uses this thing called Licor del 43, Liquor 43, which is a family recipe of Mediterranean citrus fruits infused with botanicals and a shot of espresso. It's huh. always a, it's a nice afternoon drink right after lunch and everything. So let, what are we going to cheers for? Let's cheers for something. Toast for something. Oh, that's true. Um, let's cheers to, uh, you know, we've got our holiday party coming up later this week. Let's cheers to, uh, to the holidays coming up here nice and soon. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I don't know what to cheers for. <laughs> I'm really on the spot right now. Let's say I'm 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 cheering for actually being able to enjoy the the time at home and and cooking while I work, which is something I get to do a lot. Which is I'm in meetings and I get to cook. <laughs> nice, I love that. That's great. All right, cheers, oh, cheers. Tim. Yeah, cheers, cheers, cheers to all our listeners for joining us as well. Yeah. So just a couple of reminders. Um, thank you for everybody who's listening, listening to the podcast directly. We always love everybody who's listening in and please give us a review on Apple podcasts. Like we really want to uh, get other people involved and a reminder for the podcast listeners that we record Catalan cocktails live every Wednesday at 4 PM central and everyone's invited. Uh, we stopped the recordings at 4 30 PM central. Uh, and that's when the after party starts and all the discussions with the, all the attendees. And uh, we also have our Slack community. Community. You go to slack.data.world and we have a catalog and cocktails channel where just, hey, say hello and hopefully we can continue the discussions over there. Um, so, yeah, here we are. And yeah. then I guess another thing that we're doing on the website is that we're always we're, 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 we're going to start adding kind of some funny little question about something about you and me. And today, apparently, the question is, what do we cook? What do you do? What do you cook? Do you even cook, Tim? I do cook. I do cook. And actually, you know, just before I came onto the podcast today, uh, as I was on my way to uh, my office, uh, my wife was actually like, hey, what are we going to have for dinner today? And I was like, man, I should really cook something. I haven't cooked anything for the last three days. But you know what? I think we're probably going to order some Indian food tonight. But usually, usually I cook and I actually can cook some Indian food. Um, but uh, what have I been cooking lately? You know, lately I've been trying to perfect my Korean bibimbap, right? So I'm, I'm half Ooh. Korean. So I'm trying to get just the right like mixins in there, right? There's some sweet potato and some fried egg and a little gochujang sauce and things like that. So I'm trying to get that just right. That's what I've been trying oh, to cook fan- lately. Fancy. Now, I'm just... I, I- I like to do a bunch of just meat and vegetables. So it's always cook some meat first, 
with olive oil, salt and pepper, take it out, put whatever vegetables you want, cook that in, then put the meat back in and then, I don't know, add some stock and just kind of that, that's what I do. I just mix up vegetables and meat all the time. So I did that today with chicken and a bunch of bell peppers and onions that I had today. That sounds good. You can kind of keep it fresh, right? You just kind of change your ingredients a little bit, change the seasonings a little bit. That's good stuff. Exactly, exactly. But hey, that's enough about food. Let's talk about data. (laughs) Oh, different kind of nourishment. Well, actually, quite as satisfying. But let's talk about something else, not just about data, but about kind of the the money around data or, or quantifying it, right? So last last episode, we had a fantastic conversation with Jeff Feng, the product lead at Airbnb, uh, who developed their data catalog, their, that the data portal. And I think one of the things that we kind of at the end wrapped up was talking about ROI. And I think that really, really was a great segue for the topic of today, which is ROI. Yeah. So ROI, return on investment. So you're going off and I think what somebody, either you, we're within your organization, you realize we have a problem we need a data catalog or we have some data initiative, right? The question is, how do I go either and sell this to upper management? How do I understand what is going to be that return on the investment of my data initiative, of my data catalog? And I know here we're kind of, my thought was a little bit about the data catalog, but in general, this is about any data initiative. So um, I can think that's what we're going to go talk about. And I wanted to start off with thinking about what is a baseline? And I always think about these problems when it comes to like ROI or just thinking about it almost from a scientific point of view is, okay, I have a part, I know where I am. And if you don't know where you are, that's the first thing you go do. Let's get a baseline. And, and you, and you're going to, you have a hypothesis. You say, well, I'm going to go do this hypothesis and you're in the, I have this problem I want to go solve and bringing in, doing this data initiative, doing this, bringing in a data catalog is going to solve this problem, but you're actually going to put some metrics around it. So the thing is, where are you and where do you want to go? I think that's mm-hmm. the first thing I want to go start with. Understand what is that baseline? Yeah, that's really important, you know, and it's, you mm-hmm. know, it's hard to, it's hard to know uh, how you can get better if you're not, not, if you're not sure what you're trying to get better at, right? And obviously, as we start to talk a little bit about catalogs and about data management, that creates an interesting context because, some things you can measure easily. Some things are not as easy to measure, right? Some things are a little softer and a little more intangible and somehow you got to find proxies for those things, right? Yeah. So a couple of things I, I want to at least to start thinking about is to set your baseline is, so what is the business pain that you have right now? And I think this is super important. We always talk about, okay, I can't find data, right? I, 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 yes. Every single person in every single company in the world has that problem. They can't find data, but let's go connect that again to a business problem. So what is that? And then you also want to be realistic and say, well, I can come up with so many business problems, but in reality, why is this problem important? So let's go try to connect to the, to give it the motivation that's going to help you prioritize what is the business problem you want to go address. And then from there you say, okay, who's involved and how many people are involved? And that's what you can start quantifying, right? You talk to the people, number of a number of folks, the amount of time that they're folk that they're spending on. You actually have the cost of people, like you have their salaries and how much. So you're you're starting to get numbers: the time that they spend on this problem, the amount of money they cost, right, to go solve that problem. I think that's the way you start setting up the baseline to know where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the end, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make things better for the people in your organization, right? And depending on the people that you have. It's going to change how you're looking at the ROI equation. So I think that makes a ton of sense. You're kind of talking about like the what, the why, and the who 
um, that really feeds into, um, into how you're going to be measuring ROI, right? Definitely. So, but then I like to, I like to kind of think about this in two aspects. The first one is let's think about kind of the, the categories of, of, of ROI. Um, so first one that comes to mind, right? It's you want to, you want to make money. You want to increase your revenue. Yep. So what, what, what are your thoughts about that? No, I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that a lot of folks think about when they think about, um, you know, catalogs, but obviously data management platforms in general is that you're trying to find new and better and innovative ways to go to market and to beat your competition, right? Uh, and we all know that data is a key way that you can build that advantage, right? It's a way for you to find new insights. It's a way for you to, to drive uh, new products. And in some cases, you're actually creating products out of your data, right? You're actually creating value from your data itself. Um, and so, you know, there's a quote actually that the Gartner said that by 2021, organizations that offer a curated catalog of internal and external data to diverse users will realize twice the business value from their data and analytics investments than those that do not. So it just goes to show that um, there's a sort of a stepwise difference between companies that are using things like catalogs and those that, that aren't, and, and it can be a huge impact. Now, I was doing a little bit of research and looking into like what all these pundits say, and it's always, I, I have this interesting kind of relationship with all the pundits in the world, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not going to name names here, but like, they're, 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 I, I find it interesting where they get these numbers, right? I mean, one report says like data-driven organizations are seeing upwards of 20 to 30 improvements in their uh, EBITDA, right? I figure, mm -hmm. How do you actually say that? <laughs> EBITDA? EBITDA, EBITDA. <laughs> well, that's one report. And I think another one is about like data-driven organizations have a 19x likelihood of profitability. I mean, where do these numbers come from? I don't know. But yeah, 19x it, sounds like fake fake news. That's that sounds way <laughs> too big, right? But I mean, that's that's cool though, right? Yeah, I mean, they're out there. There's another one is that uh, nearly half of those classified in the report as leaders said that they've grown revenue by 10% or more in the past years with 16% growing it by 30% or more, right? These are all by, we're doing app, doing data initiatives, right? Data catalogs and so forth. So I guess people are calculating their, 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 their increase in revenue and they're reporting this and they're going through the pundits. Uh, so you could read those reports and take it with a grain of salt. But I mean, it is, that is one thing clearly is like, my goal is to go do something with my data so I can help me increase my revenue. And so that's one, one category, basically topic, increased yeah. revenue. One, one measurement area, right. Is, is impact on revenue. Um, Obviously, another one is, uh, I think, something that often people will think about uh, related to catalogs is a productivity increase, right? Are people spending less time on the things that they were spending a lot of time doing? You know, the searching for data, the munging with data, the trying to understand data, uh, trying to understand what data it's connected to. Um, one that we've talked about a lot in our show is around definitions, right? Are we, do we even know what we're measuring? Are we talking about the same thing? A lot of people waste a ton of time on these different these different sorts of things, and uh, and you know one of the the key themes is that data catalogs can boost the efficiency of data workers from your most technical to your to your least technical to your just general knowledge workers to help them find and understand and work with data a lot faster. 
So I think this one's actually easier to go make a case, make actually a case to go quantify because you can say, look, I, for a particular project, I have all these people involved, right? Um, I got a data scientist, I got a data analyst, I got a BI developer, I got this data engineer, uh, I have this business user. And, you, and then you say, well, I expect them to go spend X amount of time. So just go put the time for all these people. And then you have the number of people involved. And you also know the cost of what all the, I mean, this basically the salary is a cost for all these people. Just go do the math and you say, okay, to go accomplish this data product, it's gonna cost me X. Okay, then you have the cost and you say, well, if I could increase the productivity, if it, instead of taking them 10 hours, it took them five hours, I, I increased, I mean, I brought it down by half. Technically, I can bring out the cost of that data product by half, right? Yep. I mean, that's one, one approach to thinking about it. So I'm making people more productive, saving time and hey, time is money. So I think that's one kind of the quote unquote easy way I would think about actually uh, understanding how to go calculate an ROI here. So it's, it's really measuring and quantifying the productivity increase. Mm -hmm. And one caveat or one additional thing that I'll say on productivity is that I know that some of the folks that we talk to um, will, will express some concern around productivity being a measure. They'll say, well, if I started measuring productivity, doesn't that mean that um, people will think that maybe we're going to let some people go or that, you know, that they're no longer valuable or something like that. And I think that's something that's very easy to dispel because what we're really trying to do is have people focus on high value things, right? Oh. It's the kind of age old thing. Like why are your data scientists spending 80% of their time trying to figure out how to get data in the right shape instead of building insights and building models, right? It's, it's that idea that you want them working on the high value stuff not on the, the sort of menial work. And I think this is, again, goes back to this topic that is a theme through all our episodes is the data culture. I mean, you really wanna have the culture of, look, our goal is to make you more productive uh, with, with, with the data. That's why we wanna make our data better because otherwise people are like, they, they hoard not just the data, but they hoard the knowledge about things. And, they, and they're like, well, no, they're going to take, I'm an expert here. I want people to come to me. And, and yes, I'm the bottleneck, but that makes me feel important. I get job con control, job security. Like, I don't want to give that away. They, they see that as a threat. So even though if you even make these numbers and you realize, oh, we're going to have this productivity increase, the people boots on the ground within your company, they're going to see that as a threat. And, and the way to take that thread away is to be very transparent about what you want to go do. And, and it's about having that culture of, of within your company of we're all in this together and let's be transparent about it. And I think that's super important. Culture is everywhere here. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And, and the third category of sort of metrics here um, is, is really kind of more, you know, if the first two were a little more on the offensive side of the ball, right? This is more the defensive side, right? So this is risk avoidance. Um, there are some very tangible and real costs associated with mismanagement of data. And although this isn't the sexy part of it, this can be sometimes the most sort of meaningful uh, sort of like, hey, let's protect ourselves. Let's cover our butts here is making sure that, you know, you're not going to get hit by fines and, and other types of legal and financial risk related to data governance and data compliance. Uh, you know, data breaches are a real thing. GDPR, CCPA, these are. Um, you know, regulations that are increasingly being enforced. And, uh, you know, we, you've got these agreements uh, with lots of different partners, with customers, uh, internal sharing agreements, and you don't want to screw up these, these legal type of arrangements. And so 
a catalog is a place where you're really keeping track of some of this risk-related metadata as well, policy-related metadata, making sure that there are stewards and people assigned to the data so that you can prevent getting hit from these, you know, six-figure, in some cases, seven-figure types of fines. Yeah. So another way of calculating ROI is making sure you're not going not to have to go pay fines and making sure you have, you're in line with all your regulations and, and, and that's something you want to avoid that completely. So definitely, I think that's another one. So to summarize, I think we've gone through these three things. Yes, let's go. We want to go increase revenue. Let's be honest. It's hard to go do. A lot of blah, blah, blah BS is out there. But frankly, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, you kind of, you can do that analysis afterwards, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind I, I of think sad if you've got- yeah, if you've got like a use case or a project you can orient around, I think revenue is a little easier to measure because then you can point to something, right? Yeah, there we go. I mean, so so I think let's associate the revenue increase with actually like that one's like a much more clear, specific business problem or, or business opportunity in a way, right? Of like, mm-hmm. hey, we, we're leaving money on the table here. Like there's something we can go do. Like we have all this data. We're not doing something with it. And, and, and there's a yeah, we're leaving money on the table. That's how we can calculate the, the ROI there. It's like, how much money can we make if we're going to go do this? So yeah, think, it's like, whatever your business is, you've got your $100 million question, right? Exactly. So that one is like, I mean, to be, to be truly honest about how you can calculate revenue increase is there has to be a really specific business opportunity there. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of blah, blah, blah. And I think we've got to be realistic. Then you probably can't calculate it based on increasing revenue. You're probably thinking about how to go, how to calculate ROI based on increasing productivity and productivity, time is money and so forth. So I think the productivity one is where you're like, that's kind of more of the generic types of, of use cases, right? The use case of everybody. I can't find my data, right? I don't know where this data comes from, right? Every single person, every single organization for every single business use case, that's the general problem. And ideally you, you do want to reduce the time, the time, the time that's spent on that. So productivity increases kind of more for the generic use cases and then revenue increases more for about the specific use cases. Uh, and then risk avoidance. I think those are for the folks who are like, who deal a lot with, uh, with very specific kind of regulations and, and, mm-hmm. and don't want to pay fines. So, so Juan, if you were going to rank these, would you say like risk avoidance is kind of always there and you know that if you're in a, a risky, you know, an environment or an industry that is exposed to customer data or financial services or things like that, then, you know, maybe that Im- impacts you more, right? Um, and if you can figure out something specific, then, you know, around revenue, great, you should do that. Like that's the best if you can be specific, but if you have trouble being specific, then productivity is a great fallback. It's a great backup option. And honestly, it's the great sort of general answer for, for these different measures. Yeah, I, I, I like that ranking, right? If, 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 if risk is something that is within your industry, like finance, right? They have a bunch of regulations, like that should be on the top because there's just so much money being wasted over there. Spend on, on paying fines when you can just avoid them. And then it's a balance of, well, is there something specific that I can go do something and make money? Or is there something kind of more general that is at the same time? So I think those are the, the three different ways of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the way, this kind of sounds scripted, but we're literally kind of just, I mean, just brainstorming about this. this is, <laughs> I, I, I never connected these dots of, of, of kind of productivity increase with the generic use case and revenue increase with the specific one. But, uh, but let's talk about use cases. Yeah. 
let's do that. So obviously, you know, we, we, we've been thinking, me and Juan have been thinking a little bit about what are the use cases where a lot of the ROI comes from. Um, and, you know, this ties, at, you know, partially to productivity, partially to revenue, right? So we're moving a little bit away from the measurement framework and now just focusing on like, what are you doing and where you get, how are you driving the value? So first use case we want to talk about is analysis projects, right? So one of the most common sources of value coming out of catalogs um, is from this user-friendly environment where you can streamline analysis work, right? Where people are coming together, working together to solve some kind of a business problem. You're finding, a, you have a consolidated environment where you can find, understand, trust data, get access to it, use it. Uh, and then document it and reuse it, right? So that's all happening in a single environment. Yeah, so I think the reuse, is that, that's something important. How many times is a wheel being reinvented, right? Somebody is doing another analysis that has already been done, right? That's something you want to make sure that it is, is cataloged. People can go find that. Another one is the amount, the, the amount of time I see people spending and just wasting on not having a clear vocabulary, and this may sound kind of a little bit kind of like fluffy, high level, like we always joke, I mean, joke about it, but it's true. It's like, oh, what is a customer? We have three different ways of defining a customer, different ways of defining an order. And like, haha, yeah, yeah, I lived through that in my company too. But how much time is being spent on, on just discussions about what is an order, uh, different things? And, and that time is precious, literally. I mean, I, I have spent I've been in meetings, which are just days and days about trying to come up with these right numbers because we, but all of them is because we don't agree on them. And then tomorrow, new folks come on board and guess what? That's not documented. So then they make their first preconception of what is an order, what is a customer, and then they go off and then they do the wrong thing. And then they end up, they end up having these discussions again, just keeps going on and on. So the amount of time that people spend trying to understand the true meaning of a business term is just, just ridiculous. And I think if that's something that we can really save the amount of time, um, so you want to be able to have a, a, a principled approach of how do you can go govern your business glossary and link that to sample data and, and get all that metadata kind of get that metadata documented, all the data documented. So I think understanding the business concepts, that's one of the a very crucial uh, use case falls into the generic and the general one, right? Everybody has this issue of where do we, where is my data? What does it mean? But there's so much time that can be saved there. It's just ridiculous amount of time that, that we see all the time that we see people spending on stuff that, yeah, that shouldn't. And that's the biggest place where things go wrong, where like you just have these systemic issues that are deeply rooted. And, you know, like I, I know that we've heard from many different prospects and customers that we've talked with and worked with where they say, Hey, I've been running my business off of this, data visualization or this BI dashboard for the last three years. And last week I found out that one of the metrics was wrong. Like for the last three years, I've been running my business on the wrong metric. And it, and it usually isn't that they, that they built the dashboard wrong. It's that they were just not aligned on what the business meeting was. They just didn't have like, they were, they were filtering by this instead of that. And now <laughs> they've made all these decisions running their business and they did it incorrectly. You know, I I'm think sure all of you in the audience have felt <laughs> similar issues like this, right? I, I think an example I've given all the time is uh, one, one, one company I was working with, we were talking about what are large orders. Nobody decided to define what was a large order. And it was the large order analysis. And somebody 
and within their calculation, they define it as anything which in the order basket had more than 10 things. And somebody else defined it as 15. Somebody defined it as 12 or whatever. So you're starting to make this analysis and talk about large orders and large orders. The different data, data analysts are in the room showing numbers and they don't align. Well, guess what? We didn't even define what large orders was. The, the term large order, what was the number for it? Uh, I think we had a, a, a session, uh, I forget when it was, on data quality. And you know, people always ask, like, how do, I, how do I know whether my numbers are accurate or not? And it's like, well, <laughs> depends on context. Um, people, want, people want this magic wand. Yes, ma ma magic AI is going to come in and tell <laughs> me. Oh, gosh, come on. Come yeah. on. Magic, magic. Um, all right, more use cases. Report automation. So are there reports or analysis work that your team is doing that is being done manually or in scripted ways that honestly could be facilitated and automated in, in, in better ways, right? And a lot of times, if you're, if you're working with a catalog that actually comes with access to data, um, you can actually facilitate a lot of this sort of report automation work using the catalog as a sort of metadata and automation layer. So that, that is something to consider as well in terms of productivity impact, um, as well as um, really, uh, you know, supporting these different revenue initiatives. And another one, and this is one dear to my heart that I've been starting to kind of work more with, with folks in, actually in particular, I've been look, talking to a lot of folks in the, in the insurance industry. I've been researching how people in the insurance industry are dealing with internal and external data. And when it comes to external data, people are starting to buy third-party data, right? We're having this data marketplaces of things. It's impressive that people don't know what data they, I mean, people don't even know what data they have internally. And then you let everybody go buy data and there, and there's money being thrown, thrown around, right? I'm buying this data set. Then somebody else says, I'm buying this data set. And they realize, oh, we just bought the data set twice. They don't even know. And the vendor may actually know, but hey, they're not going to go say anything. I'm making more money here, right? So actually another use case is managing this third-party data. So I think this is an opportunity where you can go save money, right? You're realizing that I can go, uh, I'm already, I already bought this data. Or, hey, three, four different departments are purchasing data from the same vendor. They're not even talking to each other. It's like, hey, I need to go rene renegotiate my deal with this data vendor because, yeah, we, 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 I, I mean, I, got, I, I already know what I have and, I'm, and we're doing this all independently. We can kind of consolidate. So I think that's another use case when it comes to to. Um, use cases for, for ROI. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of efficiencies that you can gain there and getting that management of third-party data right and effective and, uh, and getting the right data in the right hands, right? A lot of times people aren't sharing and working together on that data, collaborating on that data in the ways that they should. Um, and I know one of the things that we want to talk here next is around estimating the investment. And just before we do that, I'm going to call a little bit of an audible here with you, Juan, which is, you know, what do you think about measurement, right? When folks are actually trying to measure ROI here, um, you know, how, what's the best approach to doing that? Well, so ROI, by definition, you got a return on your investment. So I'm like, how much am I investing in, right? So I need to go calculate my investment. And the obvious first thing is like, well, I'm going to go buy, right? We've had this discussion of build versus buy. Let's think about first, I'm mm -hmm. going to go buy. I'm going to go buy a piece of software. I'm going to go buy software. So first of all, I need to go pay for that software. So that's one thing mm -hmm. uh, to go do that, right? If we, if we go on the build side, right? That's a whole different calculation, even bigger. We've talked about, which you need to have a lot of people, you have a lot of money, and you have like the DNA of, of, of building, but let's assume you're buying. So one is you want to go, how much are you um, 
how much does, this, does the software actually cost that mm-hmm. you're using? But this, you can actually break it down in multiple ways, right? You're saying, well, the, the software vendor is like, here's a particular price and, 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 you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Or can you work with somebody else that says, well, look, I'm just starting out smaller teams, smaller use cases. I'm going to grow, grow, help work with me. Let's work together on kind of like, let's, let's both start small. We can both grow in here. So I think yeah. that's one of the, one of the kind of the, 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 the avenues I want to think about when it comes to kind of defining the cost, the, the, the estimate, the investment. Yeah. Um, what, what else are we thinking here? So, so yeah, that makes sense. So basically there's, so for the return on investment, right, there's the cost side and then there's the return side, right? So you're kind of saying like on the cost side, there's, there's the software licensing costs that you may be investing. If you're, if you're buying, obviously if you're building, then it's sort of a people and time cost, right? Um, you know, there's, there's related to software licensing, there's a cost around maintenance, and upgrades if you have to go through that process of of sort of bringing your platform up to date making sure that uh you have the right infrastructure behind it right if you, if it's not a managed service then you may actually have to host that in your either in your internal environment or in a cloud environment um but again, again yeah. part of that cost you want to think about cloud right now you, you really want to have a, a i mean that's goes into the cloud right i want to if i'm going to go host it manage it myself there's an expense on, hey, I need to go pay my Amazon bill. I need to have somebody on my staff to go manage the software, or I want to go do um, manage, have a have a SaaS offering that says I don't have to go worry about any of that stuff, right? Yeah. So things to consider too. One of the benefits of of SaaS in that case, right? Yeah. Um, and and then uh, you know people costs, right? So on one side that may be implementation. Do you have to pay for services? Do you need to pay for ongoing support, premium support, things like that, right? And then your own people, right? Because technology is not the on- only thing, right? You're going to want to build a program around your catalog, right? You're not just going to install the catalog and hit the big green button and all of a sudden all your data management issues have been solved, right? Uh, you you need people uh, in your company that are focused on it and and helping to support it. And, and obviously that's an investment, right? Definitely. And so now I guess the, you know, to wrap this up, the ROI equation is, okay, we've got all these investment areas. We talked about revenue, productivity, risk, and the different use cases that can support there. It's about balancing those two things together. And obviously, as you heard us mention, you know, revenue is a little harder to calculate. You have to think a little bit about, you know, are there specific insights or use cases you're driving towards and what might the potential return be there and what is the risk of getting that return, right? Is it highly likely? Is it less likely? Um, But also, you know, on the productivity side, we've seen a lot of companies do interesting things like uh, both qualitative and quantitative approaches to measuring things like productivity. Like, for example, you look at, you know, uh, quantitative, are people searching for things in the platform and are they finding what they're looking for, right? Or how often are they not finding what they're looking for? And can you leverage your catalog almost like it's a website, right? And you're looking at it as like a funnel. Are people going through the funnel and coming out the other side, having either bought the product or having found what they looked for, you know, sort of the Amazon and Google kind of perspectives. And then finally, qualitative, right? We've seen some of our customers do things like surveys. Well, they will survey at the beginning of an implementation, do the survey again at the end of the implementation, uh, do another survey a year from now and ask questions like, okay, how much time were you spending on searching for data? How much time were you spending sending emails to your colleagues, asking questions about definitions, you know, so on and so forth. And I think that's how we connected back to 
the conversation we had in our last episode with Jeff from Airbnb. And actually, if you go look up for the Airbnb blog post about it, that's what they did. They actually did surveys before the implementation, after the implementation, right? They were able to go measure and they said, I think it was a 20 to 30% that they've increased productivity on that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, company like Airbnb, they were they, they invested to go to go build it and they can go do that. Obviously, companies want to go buy, they're like, well, I want to know those numbers before, right? But nevertheless, I think that's why you, would, you, you want to go work with a vendor who, who helps you grow and at the same time will accompany you with that process. They're not going to like, here, I just sold you my hammer, go off and go build whatever you want. It's like, no, you want to work with somebody who's going to be there with you and, and help you kind of figure that out during the process, not afterwards, like go implement yep. it and we'll come back to afterwards and see that. So I think uh, part of the equation here is that you, if you're, if you're, if you're buying, work with the company, work with the vendor who, who's, who's really not just, who's not a vendor, that they're partners. That's really when you go to, you want to go find our partners, not vendors. hundred percent agree. Takeaways, my friend, takeaways. Takeaways. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll say that I really liked kind of where we riffed there and got to sort of this prioritization around these categories. You know, like obviously if risk is important to your business, if, especially if you're in a sensitive area, you know, risk is sort of a given there, right? You have to play defense on the things you need to be defensive about. But ideally you're focused on the offensive use cases, right? Because obviously that's where the differentiation comes from. So if you can have a specific use case, if you can get specific about the question you're trying to solve, then obviously revenue increase can be the biggest impact, right? If you can't do that, or it's just a little fuzzy, you want to back it up with something a little more tangible, productivity is something that's pretty tried and true. And you can always look at, you know, how much time are people spending, your, your most technical data folks, your sort of mid-technical data folks, and then obviously the broad, broad swath of people that are doing, you know, general knowledge work, people working in Excel or just answering business questions. Um, you know, that's kind of your way of prioritizing that and kind of approaching how do you measure those different categories. Yeah. And I'm going to kind of, my takeaways is, is similar. I'm just going to flip it around a little bit is if I think about if a tax, uh, like the taxonomy, you have defensive use cases, right? I'm, I want to avoid risk. I'm defending here. Then you have offensive ones is I'm going to go make money. And those are, and those can be done into a, a very specific manner where it's like, okay, I want to go, there's an opportunity to go make money, uh, increase revenue, or there's a kind of more generic one where I'm about uh, to go make people more productive and right and, and save money that way too. So I think that's kind of the tax summon that I would present at the, present. And then finally, the investment is more than just buying a product, just buy and just spending the time money, the, the money for that product. Uh, there's a lot of there's people in it. And people from your side as, as, the, as the company is buying, but you also want to work with the partner and they have people on their side to go help you all define what success is. Yep. Because in the end, what matters is ROI. You know, a lot, I feel like that, that phrase gets thrown around a lot, you know, like, oh, what's the ROI? What's the ROI? But I, I think, you know, it's, it's more important than ever as you're thinking about your, your investments. And I think a lot of folks are, are in their budget cycles right now, right? They're thinking about 2021, what are they going to invest in? COVID really kind of made things hard, you know, and we've had to all collaborate in a digital way, you know, thinking about your tooling, what the ROI there probably is, is a, is a really smart place to spend your brain, your brain cycles. Well, this so. is perfect, perfect timing then. All right. So again, an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about data and analytics. Cheers, my friend. Absolutely. Have a great Wednesday. Cheers. Oh, and before we lose everyone next week, 
Uh, we will be doing sort of an end of the year wrap up. Um, we're going to be talking about resolutions for the new year. Uh, and what should we be all thinking about from an enterprise data perspective in 2021? So we'll do a little prognosticating, forecasting, reflecting on the crazy, crazy year that 2020 has been. Thanks, Juan. Always a pleasure. And thanks to all our listeners. Appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much.